Are you a god? Uh, we're podcasters. Then die! Josh, huh? if someone asked you if you were a god, you say yes! But we're podcasters also. We, you, they can go to facebook.com slash the Alright, this chick is toast! You're about to enter Nowhere, California. If you like what you hear, please search for us on iTunes. Uh, look at Nowhere, California, all one word. You can also find us on facebook.com slash Nowhere, California. Please hit like. And as always, we are very hungry for your feedback. So if you have any requests or anything like that, please send your love, your hate, or your apathy to Nowhere underscore California at Yahoo.com. In the past on Nowhere, California, when celebrities have died, we've made uh, short mentions at the beginning of certain episodes uh, talking about their passing and remembering them. With the recent passing of Harold Ramis, we knew that we had to do something a little bit more. And with this, welcome to Nowhere, California, remembers Harold Ramis. So this is Josh. This is Phil. And like we said, this is uh, Nowhere, California, remembers uh, Harold Ramis. Before we step into the main discussion with our lovely uh, panel of guests, um, we're going to throw to some pre-recorded comments uh, from some friends of the podcast, some new friends, old friends, and their remembrances of Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis is probably one of my more long-time known actors in my life. The first time I saw him was in Ghostbusters. That was a very, very emotional time in my life. I was, uh, it was about the time I first met Phil, and I was, and I was very, I, I was alone. But uh, Phil actually, uh, even though I had seen the movie once or twice before, Phil actually introduced me to that movie uh, again and showed me how fun it was. And uh, Harold Ramis was just uh, stand out loud funny. I collect spores, molds, and fungus. And um, then I uh, later on in life I found out that he actually had his his fingers in a whole bunch of different pies. Uh, Caddyshack, uh, Groundhog's Day. He worked with uh, Bill Murray and. Uh, a whole bunch of uh, other actors, and he was uh, a imaginary genius behind a lot of things. It's sad to to think that somebody like that, like Her- like a genius like Harold Ramis, is just gone from the world. He was uh, a driving force behind many people's imagination. A person that. If we continue to uh, keep comedy and fantasy and ima- and imagination alive through film and through other uh, artistic developments, he will always be here. He will always live on uh, in our hearts, in the hearts of those people whom we entertain. And in the hearts of future uh, entertainers, uh, artists, and cinematographers to come. I personally want to send my best uh, regards and my condolences to the members of his family. 
and to all those who were a fan, my thoughts are with you. Wish you all the best in this difficult time. Harold Ramis was a great director. We're going to remember him as Egon Spangler, hands down. No one's going to ever forget that. We're going to love him for it till the end of time. Stripes, classic. Directing Analyze This and Analyze That, classic. Directing Groundhog Day, arguably Bill Murray's finest comedic movie. And uh, he owes a lot, Bill Murray owes a lot of that to Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis was a great director and writer, but he also was a very dry, straight man. And uh, as time goes on, I think people are going to appreciate that more. But he honed those skills. He, he, he built that back in the 70s when he was a member of Second City. And there's a sketch he did in 1973 called VD, starring Eugenie Ross Lemming and David Rashi. Now, David Rashi is another huge uh, – I'm a huge fan of his. He's a great performer, one of my favorites. He was in Burn After Reading with J.K. Simmons, and he was in the 80s. He was Sledgehammer, so you can't forget that. Well, they all three of them do this sketch together in the 70s, and Harold Ramis plays this very timid man going in to get treated for a venereal disease he's contracted. He thinks it's going to be uh, – he's nervous, but he, he's kind of told by others. He's like, hey, listen, it's going to be in and out a shot. Doctor will give it to you. He'll be out of there. Finds out he has to go through the nurse first, and this is a Catholic hospital, so the nurse is actually a Catholic nun. And this is one of my favorite Harold Ramis moments. Nothing to worry about, though. You mean nothing to worry about? Nothing to worry about. What are you talking about? Did you see the Al Capone story? (laughs) Did you? Yes. Well, that's how he died. Well, he died because he didn't have it treated. Look, I'm telling you right now, with modern American medical science, all you you have to have is a shot. A shot? You go in, you tell them what's the matter, they give you a shot, penicillin, I don't know, something like that. That's it? And it's like having a cold. It's nothing. So humiliating now. It's no reason to be humiliating because it's it's nineteen seventy three. It's no longer frowned upon. It's a normal thing. I mean it's it's okay. Believe me. Are we first? (laughs) Can I see the doctor? No, no, no. I am the nurse, Sister Mary Innocent. Now I I will take your preliminary history and then you may see the doctor over here. Have we been to St. Francis before? Uh, no, we haven't. All right, what's our problem? (laughs) (laughs) I beg your pardon. Venereal disease. John Doe. <laughs> That's uh, D-O-U-G-H. All right, Mr. Doe, now the name of your partner. Sister, is, is that necessary? Yes, it is. Anyway, I was told I would be given a shot or some pills, and that would take care of everything. You're sure you were told that? I was. Just a shot, some, some pills? I was told that, was told definitely. told that, definitely? Who told you that? Who did it? Who told? All right. Did anyone hear you? Now listen to me. Are you listening to me? This happens to be a very serious disease. Did you see the Al Capone story? (laughs) This is Steve J. Palmer, and you're listening to Nowhere, California. And for all you listeners out there, I know you share this sentiment with me. 
Harold Ramis, we're going to miss you. Forever rest in peace. Forever keep us laughing. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Matt. Um, if we missed any uh, one of you in, during this process, I uh, really apologize, but we'll throw your uh, we'll throw a shout-out to you on Facebook. Yeah, we'll definitely make possible. sure we give your acknowledgments there. Um, before we jump deep into the conversation, um, like Phil and a lot of people, I was wondering what the hell... What um, was the deal? Yeah, what, what was uh, Harold Remus suffering from? And we did, we did some research, shocker, mm-hmm. um, and found out what was going on. So, <clears throat> specifically, um, in May 2010, Remus contracted an infection that resulted in complications from autoimmune inflammatory vasculitis. He lost the ability to walk. After relearning to do so, he suffered a relapse of the disease in late 2011. He died of complications of the disease on February 24, 2014, at his home on Chicago North Shore at the age of 69. Now, to talk about what the vasculitis is, we actually have uh, somebody in the know who's uh, a nurse. I am indeed. Mm-hmm. First, I can just break down what it is. Autoimmune, yeah. your immune system. Mm-hmm. Your body is attacking, basically, your own body. Right. Inflammatory, meaning inflamed and vasculitis the end portion of anything with itis means inflamed Mm -hmm. so vasculitis means vessels that are inflamed so basically his veins and his vessels are all inflamed causing a narrowing in in them so important organs and tissues don't get enough oxygen and that results in and like your kidneys failing everything's starting to shut down you can um start feeling really tired because you're not getting enough oxygen and you can have shortness of breath, those kinds of things. So and it kind of really sucks. That this, this is a, uh, uh, when I found out what this was, yeah. I'm like, oh no. Yeah, exactly. I, you don't want to see this the least go through that. I wouldn't want my worst enemy, I wouldn't want my worst enemy to go through that and I definitely wouldn't want, I definitely don't want my, one of my heroes going right. through it and that kind of broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it can cause multiple problems. It could, like, even cause blood clots and things like that. So right. So, that would just be a terrible thing. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's an extreme, they say that it's, it's, a, it's a really it's rare, very rare, very rare disease. So, to top that off, he got something that was very rare. Yeah. And, but then I also read something <coughs> that if you count up all the number of people who have it, it's not really that rare because there's so many. Yeah. Right. But it's still rare on the grand scheme. Yeah, right. the, the knowledge of this condition right. yep. is not widely known. Yeah. So, I guess with that being said... We're going to open the floor now to, as you just heard from, Christina is back. We have Nick here, we have Monique, and we have Doug. (laughs) I I love when we all come together, but it sucks. It's really under these circumstances. Like, I really wish we could have been having this panel discussion to discuss the announcement of Ghostbusters 3 or something. Yeah. Yeah. But as soon as the news got announced, that was the first thing that popped in my mind, is we have to have a sit-down. And I guess the first thing to really bring up is, how did everybody find out? I found out from uh, <coughs> uh, Alicia, uh, who heard it from LOL Press, you know, just through Facebook. It was one of the things that I guess apparently was trending. Um, from LOL Pre- uh, Press, they were the people that bring out Foamy the Squirrel. It was just a statement that said, um, holy shit, we've lost one of the Ghostbusters. So that made me jump right up, and I didn't know who. Uh, my first thought was Bill. I was thinking, holy crap, right? Or you know what? Or maybe it was a joke, kind of like the Bill Nye thing. I was hoping to God. One of those, one of those Bill Nye. 
uh, bill my internet, you know, jokes. And uh, the more I ran into it, and the more other sites picked it up, it became quite apparent that you know Harold Ramis had passed away. And I found out through you. I'm I was on an early shift at work, oh, yeah. been up since three in the morning, and then all of a sudden I get this text from Bill going, "Harold Ramis died." I'm like, standing in the middle of the entertainment department, looking around, going like, uh, "Yeah, there was one actually." Uh, one and basically it rolled from there because as soon as I got off, I made started making calls around, called Bill, mm -hmm. checked my phone for like news and everything, mm -hmm. and within moments I was like, we, we have to do this episode. I found out from you. Yeah. I was, yeah, I, was, I, was, I, was I was at work, and I was sitting there at my workstation, and I, was like, I can't even tell you what product I was working on, and yeah. I had a text from Josh, just simply says, Harold Ramis died, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not sure. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, same as, you know, freaking, you know, Eddie Murphy died, you know, Wesley <laughs> Simpson's died, Bill Nye has died, uh, who else has died? Who, 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 who has died now at this point? Well, it's it Twitter. It's like, in this day and age, the internet rumor of death is, like, once a week. Which yeah. is mm -hmm. a horrible thing about our media. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, all right, I have my I have my way of doing it. I go on Google, and I just type in the person's name. I don't say died, I don't say anything. I literally just type in the person's name. Yep. Right bring up to Google, it brings up Google News. Then I look. Okay, if there's one article. Could still be fake. There Two. was like there was like twelve. Yeah. Well, see, yeah and I stopped. Yeah, I stopped. I put my oh. phone down and I just stopped. I said, okay, that's it. It happened. I it, I, yeah. I don't want to read about it right now. And I was just mm -hmm. like, I and then like, what makes it? I I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And, and I the, I literally walked out of class and turned on my phone and there was a text from you. You know, that's how I found out as well. And. uh well, I think what mine was, I left you a voicemail, yeah, that's what and I, I assumed that you knew, and then, of course, I get the message back from you, like, dude, I didn't I know no idea. about this. Collective reaction between, uh, uh, you know, the collective re reaction between myself and Christina was, yeah. oh my God, Phil. Yeah. You know, and that was, you know, I felt like I'd lost, a, you know, somebody close or a family member and uncle, mm -hmm. but then, you know, with Phil... And as, as close as he is to the franchise, I had to call him and make sure he was oh, okay. Yeah. I did the exact same thing. Same yeah. thing here. If I, I wasn't him, I standing there at work, I would call him. Yeah. Yeah, I called him after I got off work on my way home. I called to see how he was doing. And at that time, by that time, it had sunk in. I had, I had spoke with Monique about it. And, you know, it's like the, the money. Like, fuck. Um, the, the best way to describe it, and it's like I told her, I told everybody else at work, and, you know, who aren't nerds or anything that don't understand, I said, it's like, it's, it was like losing an uncle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that was, that was the consensus that I had in the conversation with Phil, was it's like, exactly. it's part of our childhood. Um, um, that's why it was so sweet. I mean, I, I got, like, uh, I got a call from Doug, I got a call from Josh, I got a call from Nick, mm -hmm. and it was like a real huge support thing, and I think I would have, I would have really uh, hit real hard if not for you guys. Like I said, I just I wouldn't know what to really think about it, but you guys were support. You guys were a net. You, you caught me and kept me from really, you know, you know just for yeah. me it was kind of you know when like when Christopher Reeves passed away, I mm -hmm. was you know Christopher Reeves died finally. I I was I was really upset about that. You know, yeah. I mean, that's first of all Superman being you know such a thing for me, but for him, somebody to embody that character so yeah. much, you know, and then with all. With how tied you are to to Ghostbusters and how much it's an important part of who you are and, and what you love, I couldn't imagine feeling worse than I did, like feeling like I'd lost an uncle, yeah. until I realized that there's somebody else out there who's got to be feeling that, you know, just as heavy. And, you know, and I, I know that it had to weigh heavy on, like, you know, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, all the guys who were really close to him as yeah. well. 
But I wouldn't have <coughs> discounted you from that company as well because it, it's such an important part of who you were, and I knew I had to call you. Thank you. Yeah. And um, I had a conversation with Christina that night too, leading, telling her about the episode, and you were, oh, yeah. you were crushed about it. I was at work. I'm, I work at an oncology doctor's office, so it's not the happiest of places, mm -hmm. but I was having actually a good day. And then I um, told my coworker, I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And usually when I go to the bathroom, that's when I check my phone to make sure I don't have any emergency texts. And I got a text from my oldest sister, who that's how I was introduced to Ghostbusters. It was my older sister, oldest sister, and I watched it. And, um, and uh, she, she goes, he died. And then I saw the next one was Nick, my husband. And he was like, he died. And then my other sister was like, he died. And I was all... What the what? So then the whole rest of the day I was fun. Aww. Even the rest of the week I was all, what? It was just that I didn't know what to send, you know? Like, I, I couldn't call her, I couldn't get a hold of her work that way. So it's like, what do you send? And I went, I, it was just simply, I went, baby, Harold Ramis died. And just the weight of the word, just saying the words, you know, it has so much finality to it. And I was very choked up the whole day. Every time we saw a little picture or something where, mm -hmm. like the one I told you about where mm -hmm. it was, you know, we've all seen it now where his pack's laying up against the wall and off in the distance it's his back oh. holding hands with oh. Slimer. And he's being guided into the... Yeah, yeah that... Yeah, that yeah, as soon as I saw it, a split second I saw it, I was like, okay, get I actually, the way. I actually listened to uh, um, an interview with him as where he got the inspiration for that for that picture. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the Rainbow Bridge theory that people have. Um, as a way of psychologists helping people deal with the death of their pets. There's this theory that it, it, it's the rainbow bridge between life and death, and that your animal, when it passes, doesn't go. It waits for you as a loyal pet mm -hmm. on the rainbow bridge until you pass on, Didn't and then it takes it, it, you go with it. <clears throat> so the idea that Slimer has been waiting for the Ghostbusters yeah, on the rainbow bridge. Oh, oh, my God. God. Yeah. oh my God. I, well, even, yeah. we can even go into some of the like, trivia of the incarnation of Ghostbusters. <laughs> John Belushi was the inspiration behind Slimer. Yeah, mm -hmm. when you look at it. Yeah. And that makes me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's my John. first image is him in the hallway. Exactly. He's done Animal House. Yeah. Yeah. There's something very poignant about it, but also, too, like you just said, it gives you a laugh of, yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is, everybody's been using that line, and I, just, I know I said it earlier, but you know, I hadn't heard it up until I came up with it myself, and I've heard it everywhere. Everybody's saying, you know, it's like losing an uncle. I was born late 1984. I have known Ghostbusters my entire life, mm -hmm. much like you would know an uncle. Yeah. I have yeah. never not had these guys in my life. And let alone tell that, Egon was my favorite character, not only in the movie, but the cartoon. So mm -hmm. I was most drawn to him. I most loved him. And for him to be the first to go, and it was something that I was talking with Nick about. I said, oh, oh my God, we're getting to that time now where we're going to start we losing our We had that yeah. conversation, too. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're oh. getting there within the next... 10 to 20 years they're all going to be gone like, yeah. Yeah. and who's next you know that sort of thing and I was just like oh my god and I don't deal with death really well oh, I have a really yeah. uh, my views of death are are, are are different and I have this weird obs obscure like obtuse look at it but then like the actual dealing with death really, I've only ever been to two funerals in my life I know countless people who have died close friends who have died that I didn't attend funerals I didn't attend my father's for this reason I don't I don't deal with death I disconnect well. myself from funerals I have to make sure I'm <clears throat> saying stupid shit in my head the entire time well you know for me it, it's it's more simplistic well maybe, maybe it's not a simplistic thing maybe it's just the way I, I see the world 
I don't like attending funerals because I don't want to remember the people I love like that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any of them would want to, you know, to be remembered lying in a coffin or a coffin representing, you know, who they are, uh, you know, or, or something like that. And, you know, for myself personally, you know, I've told her, I said, when I go, I don't want an open casket. I don't want people to look at me. I don't want people to see that stuff. I don't want that to be the last image, you know, of myself in other people's minds, you know. Uh, there's... Because I'd like to. I'd like to think. What's the Nordic? Well, the Nordic. That's what I was thinking yesterday. Yes. 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 Some people they say well, they we need that closure. Yeah, it's for a lot of people it's closure, a chance to say goodbye. Yeah, I, I get it. But like for I, some, yeah, for me, I, I've always felt that that's just an archaic, fast, backwards way of. Yeah, you know, I like people who have, you know, they want to do parties and stuff where they play music and all. Part of their burial thing is to have a DJ at a, an event and you laugh and talk about the things that I you enjoy. That. You know, and, and and that's the way to be remembered. You know, a celebration of life. Yeah. For me, I'm not, you know, going forward after Harold Ramis passed away is not going to be a, oh, man, this is going to suck without Egon. This is, you know, because I know we're planning. Yeah. The rumor in the, mm -hmm. in the middle is that they're still going to move forward with Ghostbusters 3, which I yeah. think they should. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't want to, I don't want to look at it from a who's going to be the next one to go. No. no. I want to enjoy all the bodies of work that each one of them do. Well, you know, because yeah. Ghostbusters in the end all be all, we've, we've reveled and cherished in, in, in all of the work that each <clears> one of them have done since. So now it's like, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward. I'm looking forward to, to what's going on, and not, I don't want to dwell on that. Who's going to be? No, but no, no. Doug did bring up a good point with that too. That we are at that age now, yeah. where like you saw, you've seen your parents when like certain people have died, celebrity wise, where they're like, oh, God, that person died. We have like the random ones leading up to the age we are right now. We're in, all of us are near our thirties in our thirties mm -hmm. uh, place, and now with uh, Ramus passing, it, that's a big. That's a big hit. Yeah, it is. Especially because it wasn't something accidental. Right. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a Heath Ledger. It mm -hmm. wasn't a Philip Seymour Hoffman. It mm -hmm. wasn't something that. Well, it wasn't was really expected. Cause no, yeah, nobody knew. Right, right. So it wasn't. They outside kept it under. But it was yeah. still a kick to the teeth. Because, oh yeah. You know, because of how rare it. You know, the, the well, rarity also, he was only. I know I'm using the term only here. He was only 69 years yeah. old. That's We're right. In, in a world We're, that's young now. It is. Yeah, I mean, that's, little, that's that is technically, if you want to look at the long scheme of he just retired people, that's just barely coming out of middle age now. Yeah. For yeah. as long as people can survive now, like on the average. Yeah. You know, that's exactly. barely middle. That's barely coming out of middle age. Yeah. Just getting into senior citizenship. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. like, and then also look at this here. He died at 69. But look at his IMDb. If you want to compare his age to his body of work, <laughs> oh, holy oh, crap! Can't. Can't. Because it's like 14 acting roles, over 20 mm -hmm. uh, written scripts, and 20 different directorial jobs. Mm -hmm. And it's just a jaw dropper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He kept busy. <coughs> you know, a lot of people just know him as uh, for for Egon, but he 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 kept very active. I didn't very know he directed episodes of The Office. Uh, yeah, with, that's where he met Lee and Gene, and that's yeah, how yeah. Ghostbusters three spark. first got sparked. Yeah. So, uh, no, no, a lot, a lot came from it, and he has left a humongous legacy. I yeah. mean, uh, something else with me is this is the first one I've ever had to truly deal with because when Reeves did pass, mm -hmm. I was more happy 
been sad because he wasn't because oh, you know i was sad at his accident yeah you know even as young as i was understanding that oh my god he's, he's exactly he's, he's never gonna fly again yeah we're true. never gonna we're never gonna see that even if they, <laughs> you know that's it you know luckily he made some strives and things like that he did mm-hmm. never win that movie yeah. oh you know, he, no. he, he, like, yeah. he did some episodes of smallville you know things like that but like you know i didn't really have i didn't have to deal with reeves you know that way because i was like oh it was almost in the way. It would have lost him during that accident. Yeah, it would have been, been more of a But we got at least to have him for He kept living his life after losing. You know, losing. Another, like right. 13 years. Yeah. It's when they're taking quickly yeah. like this in an unexpected way. That, yeah. You know, it hits hard. But again, coming from our childhood, mm-hmm. I think it hits especially hard. Yeah. Because, you know, because yeah. if you look at, especially in the, just the movie industry and entertainment field, you don't, there, there's not a whole lot of fresh and new. Mm-mm. You're seeing a lot of things rehashed and remade Sequels, and all that stuff and reboots, reboots yeah. and all this crap and those were original ideas. Yes, yeah. everything oh, he did everything was an original did. piece and it was, you know, and it, it's something that should be mm-hmm. featured, taught, and reveled in for years oh, to come. Yeah. Years, I, years to come. I, I, future writers, growing right? up, I had three franchises in my life. I had Star Wars, I had Back to the Future, and I had Ghostbusters. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they went in that opposite order. I started with Ghostbusters as a kid, moved into the Back to the Future, and then went into Star Wars when I got mm-hmm. a little bit older. But they were all within three years of each other. Yeah, so yes. I was like Ghostbusters fan, Back to the Future fan, Star Wars fan. Then they all just meshed together. They're and all just like uber nerd, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was the other thing too about Harold about Egon Spengler. And it was cool to be the he nerd. Was a, yeah. He was the uber nerd. Yeah, he was the mm-hmm. first. He was the first uber nerd, and you were just like, this guy's cool. Egon's a badass, you know. And he's you know he has some of the greatest lines, and he comes out. He, he comes out of the cement the same as everybody else. You know, mm-hmm. he's not hold his own. You know, they're not holding to pull him out because he's the tall, lanky guy who's weak. He gets, no, he, he gets he up stands there. up for himself. He's he's up there, and he's he the, comes up with the idea that saves everybody. Exactly, right. and you the, know, and ooh. the thing, and and he also gives us the. Greatest analogy ever, the Twinkie. Yes, the Twinkie. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would have been. I, I really <laughs> wondered how the firehouse, the hook and ladder eight or forty eight in um, New York would have looked if Twinkies had made a comeback before he died. Oh, yeah. you weren't able to buy Twinkies because you looked oh, at them there. Oh, yeah. And it's crunch bars. Yeah, it's crunch bars, cheese, it's and Twinkies. Could you imagine that? Could you could you imagine that without the Twinkie there, like without? You know, like a picture of a Twinkie. People would have like people we'll see in that. Twinkies yeah. together. Yeah. That was something. Yeah, that was yeah. something that was that I found especially touching was that uh-huh. you know when when people were were laying everything out there, that seeing the Twinkie. Oh, was, yeah. You know, it really cements how iconic, out of all the things that he has accomplished and written and directed, mm-hmm. and done, how iconic Iconic Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Really was to, to several generations. Well, people exactly. put, and people put action figures out there. They put the uh-huh. action figures out there. Yeah. And those things even, are expensive. Even yeah. off the card and used yeah. at, at your minimum 10 to 15 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like 10, 12 of them just strewn about. People just didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Put their ego yeah. Well, it's that, it's that part of their life that's gone now. And they leave it there because it's almost respect. It's respect. It's yeah. like, you, you, you're the reason I have this. Mm-hmm. And you're gone. I. Yeah. It's their way of giving back to it. I would. And I would say it's because yeah. of those guys, because of Harold Ramis, because of Dan, because of Bill Murray, because you know uh, of uh, you know. It's because of their collective work in that film <clears throat> that I think it made people first understand that it, you know, a blue collar superhero. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, no superpowers, no anything. Just yeah. kind of a, a blue collar superhero. Yeah, your everyday average Joe. You know, 
with the exception being the real superpowers, the brain on Egon. Brandon mm-hmm. Ray was up there with him too, but it was but it was e- Egon. Yeah, Egon was. But see, here's the thing: Ray would come up with a theory of what they wanted to accomplish, and Egon would figure out how to do it. Well, these things are made of ectoplasm, mm-hmm. which is on an, elect- an electron-based They're an electron-based mm-hmm. life form. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the opposite of electron? Proton. Proton. Proton pack. Proton. So proton at it to neutral- neutralize the electron so we can put it in the trap. But so, yeah. yes. One of the things that I loved about him, his character was... Nerd out. There wasn't, there wasn't a ton of definitive ideas. If you hear a lot of the things that Egon suggests, which I think is hilarious about his character, uh-huh. there's never any certainty to what he says. I mean, there's definitely a good possibility. possibility. Well, that's your yeah. yeah. scientist. That's your yeah. scientist. Yeah. Like, so that is so funny. Because it doesn't deal with absolutes. Even with even the joke line of you know the drilling into the head. That would that could have worked if you hadn't stopped me. He said that wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't work. You hadn't stopped me. You know, like. It, he still doesn't know. He still, again, you know, it's right. uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And then, and then, to see Incredible Burt Wonderstone and Jim Carrey go up on stage and put a drill in his head. Yeah. Now, do you think, okay, now, Harold Ramis was alive when that movie came out. Do you think maybe he watched this and he was just like, I was wondering about that. But, you know, the thing is, what made that line even funnier, it was based on the scientific principles that were being done at the time. Uh-huh. They believed that if you drill the hole, yeah, if you release pressure, you could uh, achieve, like, um, uh, enlight- uh, a level of yeah. enlightenment that, you know, uh, that, that you can, just can't beat. But the thing is, you can only achieve it for, like, five seconds. Before yeah. you die. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, yeah, yeah. I, I'd read that, too. But, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I had um, actually let's change gears, but my mom had actually told me that Bill Murray and Harold Ramis had a feud after. Oh, we did after yeah. Groundhog Day, yes. And then um, um, Harold Ramis's wife called Bill Murray and said, um, "If you want to make amends, you better do it now." Yeah, uh, the one that convinced him did. to do it was Brian Doyle Murray. He was always the one that. Oh yeah, the brother. The brother. His brother. brother. His brother goes. He's like. No, Harold's not doing well. Yeah. If you want, if you yeah. want to put this to bed, if you want to be able you to sleep at night, you better, you better go see him. It. So he went to go see him in the hospital, yeah. and they I talked they about did. the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he long, uh, Harold was a longtime Cubs fan, and yeah. Bill owns the Cubs. So yeah. <laughs> they they talked about the Cubs, and uh, both of them, I believe, were at peace. Yeah. And you could hear the emotion of oh, the Oscars. Yeah. The Oscars. That he was brilliant. Brilliant. That freaking brilliant moment. I, I got that text from you right after yeah. that line. I got. I. It was almost. And passing, I was doing something on my computer, and they were coming back from the nomination thing. And you watch that footage; the cam, the way the camera is moving, it's almost like if they did plan it. But I almost guarantee Bill was just waiting for. No, the Bill was watching the camera. He was watching yeah. the camera. <laughs> this the, it, it, now. Do you think it was? Do you think it was just providence that Bill Murray was? The one to announce the best actor, the best director, uh, cinematographer. Oh, uh, cinematographer. 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 Cinematographer category, or do you think that somebody threw that in there? I think in honest, hopes, you know, kind of knowing that. I, I honestly I don't think Bill was like a reach but before this this year's awards. Me and Phil had this conversation where it's like he doesn't really show up to these things, right? No, he doesn't. and I'm almost thinking like he may have showed up that day or got word to them like, hey, I'm going to be there. He may even said, I want to do something, not to the effect of what I'm going to do, but he find a spot for me. Yeah. You know, I would almost go as far to say that he would suggest that to somebody. You know, let me do this. I want to say something about him, but I want to keep it classy. 
We'll do it. We'll do this. I won't do the best director thing, but we'll do this. And who says no to Bill Murray? Nobody says no. Also, the conversation I had with my brother, too. My brother brought up, did Harold Ramis do cinematography? I'm like, honestly, it could have been best animated short. Yeah, it could have been best foreign film. And Bill Murray would have still said, oh, we forgot one. Harold Ramis, Caddyshack, Ghostbusters, and those were the three that he worked with on him. Absolutely. And it was... What yeah. crushed me about that was at the end of when he said that, when he said, you know, for, for Caddyshack, Ghostbusters, and Groundhog's Day, you could see him get choked up. And I went, yeah. yeah. God, but then that crowd just lit up. Is, here's, where know, yeah. here's where it's going to start. You know, to see Bill just to choke get choked up, yeah. I was like, you son of a bitch. But yeah, then also with that choking yeah. up, you can also kind of tell, like, they did get peace. They, they did. did. Oh, absolutely. They did tell him. He was absolutely. saying goodbye and it was That was the best yeah. way to treat it. I turned to him afterwards and looked at him and I said, he looked really sad. It was that look of like, I lost my friend. Yeah. And, and it just broke his heart. You know? You know. Ghostbusters was our first reveal to Harold Ramis. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah yes. Without a doubt. And then after that I saw yeah, but yeah, I know. Me too. But yeah. also too, let's jump back a little bit to where uh, kind of call back Steve's comments about Harold Ramis' time in SCTV and that mm-hmm. sketch that he gave us audio for. Yeah. Some of the most brilliant work there too, and brought along some big names from SNL, and like we've already talked about, how the meshing of SCTV and SNL became Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I I keep thinking of the uh, the 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 railroad manager or something like that that he played on SCTV. (laughs) They won't let me lunch with them anymore. They say I'm detached. (laughs) You don't think I'm detached, do you, boys and girls? <laughs> yes, I yeah. thought he was hilarious. And uh, that's kind of an interesting thing too. When it comes to SCTV, everybody kind of moved away. They kind of they went to SNL, and yeah. some stayed at SCTV. Harold Ramis kind of just stayed there. Yeah, and then it, 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 it evolved from there to the writer and director. Yeah, and then also too, we came across one of the facts before he became a like a writer for I think it was Playboy, right? Yes, he worked at a metal ward. Yes, he was an editor. Yeah, an editor at Playboy, but before that he was working at a psych ward. Uh, at a psych ward. Which, well, I, we give some fodder. <laughs> well, we were reading, because I did not realize how involved he was in my life until after he passed away, which is really kind of messed up on my part. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know. Well, it's good that you realized it, though. Well, yeah. yeah you know, well, with you guys, I, I think no matter what, I was going to realize it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yo. But he said, you know, I always used to tell people that working at the psych ward was just good practice for working with actors and being a director, and that sounds really bad, or people always used to laugh about it, but um, it was being able to handle somebody's reaction when they were enraged, or when they were sad, or when they were just an emotion, just any sort of emotion, and it was just good practice to work with these people in the mental ward, and then to go out and still be able to see the same attributes that people who are just you know, just normal everyday people still have, and it never shocked him, or it didn't throw him off his game because, you know, I've dealt with the worst of it already, and he was already so well practiced with it. Well, it's like the ups and downs he had with Bill Murray, like the tie in the psych work, probably up a lot there. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was uh, Harold that did it or one of Harold's assistants, but they said because Bill refused to work with anybody. In Groundhog Day, unless he was speaking to Harold or yeah. uh, a publicist, and I think uh, they had they had mis- they hired a deaf 
mute assistant. Yeah. And forced Bill to learn sign language. He yeah. goes, okay, Bill, you're going to be complicated. I'm going to make this complicated That's for you. Yeah. The only way you're going to be able to commute to me, uh, com- uh, commute with, communicate with me because he wasn't being very pleasant uh, was, sign is, 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 is sign it to Through this young lady. Yeah. Yeah. And she was just learning. <laughs> and she was just learning sign language, too. So that was a pretty good gag yeah. on Hill Rangers' oh, yeah. part. Well, that shows, like, the brotherly love between... That was, friends. because Bill would be like, you, you son of a bitch. Well, see, that's you something know? that probably took him down a few pegs and made him go, shit. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, and that's why he didn't talk. He was probably, it did humble a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? Harold's right. You know, you know like that. Yeah. I, I love the different comments that came from celebrities you know talking and th- those who worked with him those were who were just fans of him yeah you know all that stuff and uh honestly i'd say I, I don't think it was one that i liked better you know other than you know bills and, and all that stuff than yeah. the one you said to me right before we you know it started recording one about uh, from pat oswald oh no uh, doug said that oh, doug, i'm sorry oh, doug, that's, oh, yeah thank you for that no problem <laughs> um it is a great yeah, one. The, the the Patton oswald quote about uh you know, if, 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 if a Twinkie was the size of how I feel about a, a, a the grief I feel, death, the grief I feel about a, a person's death, Harold Ramis's Twinkie would be 35 feet long, weighing approximately 600 pounds. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful tribute from one nerd and another great comedic mind. Oh, you know. Uh, which I wouldn't mind seeing Patton in Ghostbusters. Oh yes, yeah, so I really like Patton and Jonah he, Hill. I yeah. Oh yeah. Would be one of those people that would be like, I don't want to mess this up. Yeah, but I think that would make it all the better for him yeah. because he would bring that nerd aspect to it. But you know? mm-hmm. also onto the comments other celebrities made. Like I checked out the talk shows and everything, like the Leno and all that stuff. But there was a certain set of shows I wanted to check out what they were going to say. Daily Show, Colbert Report. And at midnight, Colbert said some great stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. some great. Stuff. Yeah, his was awesome. And then, Ontiwerts spoke volumes. He didn't say he ne- he didn't say anything. He, he he was starting to get choked up. He's like, "Here's your moment of zen," and it cut to how Reynolds. Oh, because you can tell when John Stewart does these moment of zens when people die, he's getting sick of doing them mm-hmm. because it's yeah. like so many talented, talented, talented people are gone. He did a moment of Zen once where it was the uh, Ghostbusters crossing the street. Yeah. <laughs> and here's your moment of Zen. Yeah! But then, also, too, for At Midnight, Chris Hardwick, every time they came back from commercial, he did the riff from Groundhog's Day, the radio announcement. Mm-hmm. It's 11.59 and uh, 59 seconds and put on your booties because it's cold outside. Every time they came back from commercial. <laughs> and then, when they got rid of the loser, the third comedian that lost, the red light went and then uh, Hardwick was like, there's no Tom, there's only Zool. <laughs> and then, ah, that's great. And then that, yeah. Yeah, when they got to the final end, Harwick uh, then finally said, like, honestly, I would not be where I'm at if it wasn't for Harold Ramis. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of comedians. Well, and I mean... Harold Ramis, like, found people's funny bones. He found a way to take dry comedy and make it so enjoyable. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just so enjoyable, you know, and there's... You see that in the the improv people that he worked with. You know, mm-hmm. we just mentioned Eugene Eugene Levy, John know, Candy, John Candy, They can do that deadpan, you know, kind of comedy and just make it absolutely. One horrible. of the things that I think is the uh, the great, you know, an example of you know, it's like they, they're not speaking. It's not even dialogue. It's all an expression. Mm-hmm. The part where they activate. Uh, Ray's proton pack. Oh, and the elevator. And yeah. oh, Peter and Inga, they, they look at it and they slide to the. It's, 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 right? it's, but it's 
a nuclear thing. Yeah. You're dead either <laughs> way. Yeah, but you would have is far away from that thing. That's what made it so funny. That feet is not going to help. The best part about it is it's something that Egon created. Yeah. And he goes, well, you better switch me on. And he does. <laughs> and that iconic sound. Yeah. And Egon pushes Bill into the corner. We Well, I know is that he's like, you know, I realize he's haven't been properly field tested. I believe, I believe, I believe myself. myself. So I believe you myself. do. So do I. And also, too, we talked about how Egon was that scientist where he's like, there's always that doubt. There's yeah. always that doubt. It's that like 1% margin of error. Well, science isn't perfect. True, but I think it was kind of where it wasn't like, we didn't do any of these tests, we didn't do anything. Here's just this shit we hope works. And, and it was like, on. sure, you go ahead. These are my closest friends. You go right ahead and do it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> we didn't know if Ray was going to explode. He was going to level Manhattan. He carry. This is whatever. And then when he realized, you know, he's like, <laughs> that is seriously one of the best non-speaking, non-speaking parts. parts. It is so <laughs> funny, and, yes, you know. Yes. And uh, yeah, that's that was yeah, my favorite yeah. non-spoken part. Of, it's a speaking scene, but it's a non-speaking part of Harold Ramis, uh-huh. and I never ever caught it okay. until when you and I watched Ghostbusters okay, okay. at the ArcLight. Okay, okay this, so this was what a year and a half, two years ago. Mm-hmm. So I've been watching this movie for twenty six years, never noticed this before. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they've caught Slimer and the mm-hmm. Sheraton Hotel, and they've come out. Oh, and, and you can yes, see yes. and when, when, when Bill is talking to to the hotel manager, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, we got we got this." You you and you see Ray's movie. You don't really pay attention to what he's doing, mm-hmm. but what you don't realize is the four. It comes up to the containment. He, he puts the one of one nose yeah. up to his nose. He's telling Bill what the chuck He was the skinniest one The best part is is Bill you know that's that's the comedic that's a comedic timing between them because that's one of those moments where Bill turned to look to Egon to see how much it was going to be just with his eyes and you catch him going (laughs) (laughs) those you can't see oh sorry yeah watch watch the scene but we're we're holding up fours right next to our cheeks kind of like making it look like we're scratching our cheek but in reality we're holding up four Four fingers yeah I love that so that outrageous price that came from Vinkman actually came from Egon uh-huh. You know, yeah, it, it, it's it's stuff like that. It just oh, it was great, yeah. and like you said, non-ver non-verbal, and it was them working together. Yeah, and it worked. It, it just the it, Egon it on so the great. table when mm-hmm. Egon's listening to the table. Why the hell would you be listening to the table? Yeah. He's listening uh, to the table. Egon. Oh, 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 you're here. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't get mad. Doesn't. Doesn't do it. Just oh, good, you're here. Oh, you're here. Yeah. Stop that. That's great. That's another one of my favorite lines. Is that you know what do we do? And Ray has nothing. He pulls out a calculator. He's, he's like, stop that. You know, <laughs> it's like well, somebody should try to make contact. And that's they both stare. Yeah, they just stare at Peter. And he's like, oh. what about in Ghostbusters too? When he's when he's jackhammering the hole up in oh, the street. Oh yeah, and he's like, you know, the cop pulls him over and or pulls over. He's like, he's like, like yeah, and then he goes, who told you stop cutting? Your boss! And he's like, who told you stop cutting? And he's like, you know, I can't remember what the guy says, so he guy's just like, yo! You're right, Raymond, right, Ziggy? Yo! And all of a sudden he goes, what have you been doing? What have I been doing? Well, you've been getting coffee for an hour? I've been taking a big hole in the middle of the street! You know, it's that, it's that moment when, and it's very, very slapstick, but very funny, it's that, it's that moment when uh, the cops return 
with the Addison guys. The phone lines are over. The phone lines are over. What did I tell you? The phone lines are over. She's to beat the shit out of Egon. What did I tell you? It's like, oh, God. Oh, God. Hold this back. Like that was completely unexpected as well. Oh like, yeah, I love the line that you dropped us off the microphone before we start recording. Oh, yeah? When it was uh, when Ray was possessed. Oh by, yeah, was possessed. Um, uh, 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 um, Ray, would you like to shoot the monster now? Yeah, Ray, would you like to shoot the monster? Could you move, please? <laughs> I love that. So I'm good. glad you love that. That was great. I love when um, when they're doing the drilling and stuff, and mm-hmm. then they're like, "Yeah, someone's gonna have to go down there." And they then Bill Murray and Egon, they both look at each other yeah. and they're like, we know who's going to... They look at Murray and he's like, oh, oh shit, crap. he lost the toss. They had the best mm-hmm. non-verbal one, two, three, not it. Yeah. Make eye contact with one of the other guys and then you yeah. both made eye contact with the yeah. third person. Somebody, somebody's got to go down there. Yeah. Someone's got to get out of there. Oh. Oh, yeah, oh, that was not it, not it. There was no arguing it. You just knew. You yeah. knew what was going to happen. And, and the, it's funny because they all carry the same look when they realize it's their damn turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Big Mary's like, oh, okay, you know. Yeah, they, I, I love that. <laughs> Where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from Yeah. Read <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about it. Off topic of Raymond's for a second, just just with, with that actor. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Oh, you know, Peter McNichol. Peter McNichol. He spent months learning different accents <laughs> to make that weird algorithm of an accent that he had that had no definition to it. So when it became, yeah. it was improv line. Where are you from? Up on the side? That was a great... But see, again, that's, that's the uh, casting. You know, Peter, Peter McNichol is another great improv actor. Mm-hmm. That's the casting and knowing what you can do in a moment and it's in those moments of chaos that some mm-hmm. of the best things come out. Mm-hmm. When they're in there taking a look at the, the big portrait of Ego, and he's like, no, no monster. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and, and is it Egon they call to pull him out of the way? Winston. 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 Winston goes, ah! Little white, white bitch uh, scream. So now you get this wonderful character that's in there who's, who's effectively like your Lewis Tully character. Oh, yeah. But then you still got Lewis Tully yeah. running down the street with yeah. earmuffs on. You get, they give him an evil Lewis then. Yeah, you get yeah. evil Lewis. Dude, yeah. That's the whole thing. And it just... Mm. <clears throat> you know, it just—they were so smart about how they went about things, you know. And they did. There, there's never a moment where you don't see <laughs> yeah, a direct touch of Harold Ramis. And <laughs> I love, I love at the beginning of Ghostbusters two uh-huh. when Dana's coming to see Egon at the at, yes. the, at the hospital. Yes. And you know, and he goes. They show the they show the family the, the husband wife oh. fighting, and there's all that. They, <laughs> then they show the girl with the puppy. And she kisses him on the cheek, and he smiles. It's like first time we've ever oh, seen yeah. her. smile. Always smile, but. The way I perceive how the what happens next uh, is that he had a moment of happiness, and his brain went, "I want to fuck this up." Yeah, you know. Yeah. So he goes, he was like, "Let's see what happens when we take away the puppy." Yeah, yeah. You know, was, that was not yeah. part of the experiment. Yeah. Was, here's the negative side. Here's the positive. Well, let's flip that. Well, now I've got a positive reaction, so I've got to have a negative reaction. Let's see what happens when we take away the puppy. That was great. You know, that's that's those little touches. Oh, especially, did you guys pick up on the fact? When uh, Sigourney Weaver asked about Venkman, or uh, she goes, she goes, does he mention me? He goes, uh, no. And then he scans. Yeah. Yeah. He knows it. talks about it all the time. So he's like, yeah. He goes, uh, no. Yeah. And then he turned around and yeah. he turned around. <laughs> I'm just gonna be scanned. You know, just a comedic brother. Oh yeah. Of a very amazing mm. actor, director, writer, thinker. You know, the There's a oh. documentary that's scheduled to come out this year called "Cleaning Up the Town: The, oh. the Story of the Ghostbusters." Cool. Oh, it's a two. It's a it was a. It actually could be two documentaries, mm-hmm. but the guy decided instead of making Ghostbusters one documentary, Ghostbusters two documentary, he's just going to make a very extended.
extended, like almost like two, like feature length, maybe right. a little more. They say that Harold Her- Ramis was <laughs> the glue of that documentary. That he just gave them so much. much. Hours. What he did? He gave yeah. them multiple hours. He of sat down, time just talked to him. It was over great. and oh, about everything yeah. that they and almost anything that they talked about. They could cut back to something with Harold Ramis. Keep us posted on that, or maybe if we have mm-hmm. a link or something to win, that's going to be released. We have on our Tumblr. Um, you guys can just look up the Ectopod on Tumblr. I don't know. Uh, the Ectopod.tumblr.com. That's the website. Um, we have re we have retumbled. I guess is what to call. I don't know. Social media terms suck. I know. Uh, retumbled works. We have we have retumbled a link from the <laughs> Tumblr with the, with the trailer. As you can tell by our conversation so far, Ghostbusters has been a very big impact on us, mm-hmm. and it actually has sp- spun off into another podcast known as the Ectopod. Doug, do you want to do the cheap pop? Facebook.com slash the Ectopod. Knowing that this is going to be a simulcast between. That the bot and Network California. It's the first ever. The yes. simulcast. We're breaking new grounds. Yes. But also, too, Monique um, mentioned something when we first really started rolling that there's a lot of work that Harold Ramis has done that you kind of either may have forgotten or at least when you get reminded, it's like, oh, yeah, Harold Ramis was a part of that. So, right now, we're going to go through. Uh, some of his credits from his writing career, his directing career, and his acting career. Well, first, we'll start off with his acting career, since that kind of faded a little bit as his career progressed. He kind of went more behind the camera than mm-hmm. in front. Right. So, with <coughs> acting, of course, we've talked about SCTV, mm-hmm. right. the, where it started for him in the, in the visual medium, because he was writing for Playboy right. and the National Lampoon magazine. And then, speaking of National Lampoon, we got National Lampoon's uh, Vacation. Is, oh, is yeah. one of his writing. Oh, oh yeah, and I believe he has an uncredited role in that. If Cameo, I remember. yes, he yeah, does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, Marty Moose. Yeah, mm-hmm. Marty Moose. He's the hit me up. And then in another. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And if you've ever been to Magic Mountain, Six Flags Magic Mountain in California, mm-hmm. and you've been to the portion right over by Revolution and all that stuff, yeah. you have been to Wally, to Wally World. <laughs> That's Holy ground. Yeah. Also, before you get to that, he was also in Space Hunter. He was also the uncredited computer's voice. Yeah. So and I was telling you, we talked a little bit about Stripes. Oh, yeah. One of his, uh, I think it was his second work with. Uh, no, his first. His first Star with, with, with Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Russell Ziski. Yeah, and then one that some people may forget. He was a voice in Heavy Metal. Yes, Z- he was the Stone. Yes, the yes, Stone yes, Alien. The man in that Pavilion Labord left. Yeah, <laughs> which is which ties in because you know Heavy Metal and, and the magazine, all that was uh, yeah. from the same publishers as. National yeah, that's correct. Exactly. <coughs> and then we get some of his be- uh, smaller roles with uh, Baby Boom. Mm-hmm. Oh, Baby Boom. And then <laughs> one of the roles, I kind of... That was a great movie, too. Well, oh, it was. It was, it was. It was. Yeah, such a good movie. Uh-huh. As good as it gets. As yes. the doctor that Jack Nicholson sends over to Helen Hunt's house. Yeah. That was the first time I had seen him in years. Yeah, and I, I, I'm, I'm kind of ashamed I said this, but also, too, it's still, it's so funny. When I first saw him in that movie, it was like, that Batman ain't Harold Ramis. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what? He, he had a love for food. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that, that show that, that was, still has a love for food. Yes. Uh, it wasn't really exactly uh, like 
poking fun at the weight. It's just like, holy crap. Well, it shows how successful they became. Was, I mean, was part of his weight issues part of a side effect of his disease? Would that have been? Now, that is a strong possibility. Yeah. I know a lot of So that makes me feel like an ass making that comment. You jerk! Yeah. You jerk! Yeah. There's, there's a lot of medications it'll cause. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if he was on steroids. Which, yeah. that I read have. that was so part of the medication he was on. Yeah. yeah. That'll so cause. That could have caused it. Side well, effects. I'm an ass. Yeah, I was a kid too at that time. Another movie that I probably should have been watching when I was. And it was the same thing where you said, <laughs> yeah, "Hey, where the hell did Rick Moranis go? His uh, his uh, wife died. Yeah, yeah. And like, oh. yeah so. And then all from that, we have Airheads <laughs> as the fake uh, record producer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember that's that right. part. The Mm-hmm. Orange County when he got stoned. Yes. And I mean, why did see that one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he's funny in that. Very bad role, but still great. I would love, I would, I'd really love for one of you guys at one point to be like, you know, a lot of people said he was hilarious in that. I thought he was absolute shit. You can't do that with her. Exactly. So. No. That's the problem. No, he didn't say a movie that he was in and that was a part of was actually crap. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Knocked Up was shit. Yeah, your one was crap. Yeah. Knocked Up, I felt, I felt Knocked Up was shit. But you you will have an issue with Apatow, though. I do. Yeah. I do. I liked your one. I stand by it. Then, of course, we Phil just mentioned the movie he hated, Knocked Up. He had that he had that quick role as Ben and Stab. Ben and yeah. Title. Yeah, yes. Exactly. But Harold was awesome. Yeah. And then the final two to mention in his acting uh, canon, his role as neurologist in Groundhog's Day, mm-hmm. which was great to see him in there. Oh, yeah. And then, of course... What we've been talking about a good portion of the time was Egon. Dr. Egon Spangler. I would like to give honorable mention to his role as Professor Valor in The Last Kiss. I don't know if any of you guys have seen oh. the movie, but Zach Graff. I, I keep forgetting that one. Um, he is a, he's really good in that movie, and he's a he's a husband who's dealing with... like the, He's a, he's a supporting character, but his character <coughs> deals with the knowledge that he knew his wife had an affair, hmm. but he didn't leave her. Like It's an interesting, dramatic... Point. A little yeah. twist on it. Yeah. And also a stance that a lot of people wouldn't take these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In The Last Kiss, like you said, it's kind of a... It is a forgotten one because when you think of Zach Braff movies, it's always Garden State. Garden yeah. State. But The Last Kiss is a very underrated one, too. Very underrated. Very... Ooh, it very bleak. It hits you in the heart. It's very bleak. It does. It, it, it does. It, it kind of kills you a little bit. And then, I guess the next one to roll into would be his writing credits. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Which are numerous and vast. Oh, yeah. Even bigger the than... The listing on IMDb, IMDb is at least 23 writing credits, yeah. to their to their knowledge. SCTV, Animal House. Animal, that's that's probably the, the big one right out the gates. That yeah. Just, wow. And then also, too, with his work on Animal House, it led to the very, very, very short-lived TV series spinoff of Animal House known as Delta House. Mm-hmm. Which he did write yeah, an episode right. for. That's right. And Meatballs. Uh, meatballs. Caddyshack. That's another Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Stripes. One we were talking about earlier, Back to School. Mm-hmm. One, uh, Doug, you haven't seen that, right? I have not seen it. I wasn't allowed really to watch that. Really 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 uh, every time I've ever stepped onto a diving board, I want to do the triple A. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see you try. Oh, oh my God, it would be horrible. Oh. It would be a vine of the worst fans. Followed up with a picture of my headstone, because that's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> it'd just be honestly if I had attempted I'd be falling off the ladder yeah. to get up to the <laughs> oh, fail, man. 
analyze this and analyze that. Yeah. Which I keep on forgetting that he was the writer and director on that mm-hmm. one. And I did, I will admit, I went and saw Analyze This in theaters because I wanted to see Robert De Niro in a commuter poll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was a very, good. Under, a very underrated movie. <laughs> and then he, I'm totally going backwards. <coughs> we were just talking about Back to School and, and Rodney Dangerfield. When we were talking about that earlier, I pictured the dog that he did. The, the he did a dog? Rover Dangerfield. Rover Dangerfield. Oh, actually, he collaborated with Harold Ramis on that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I right just there, saw yeah. that on there, and I was like, yeah. wait a minute. Should have brought that up earlier. They, they made a joke on that. It's like it's like, uh, hey Harold, I got a I got an idea about uh, you know turning me into a dog. What do you think? And then they they used a, uh, a spice of Egon and Ghostbusters going. I think that would be extraordinarily dangerous. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, you look at Robert Dangerfield. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah. yeah. Oh come on! I mean, it was only twenty four years ago. I yeah. know. He needs his Blu-ray re-release. I know. <laughs> I don't fit. I just, you know, I want to throw this yeah. out here as we're running down this list of movies that he's, you know, either has writing credit or has acted in. Mm-hmm. Think of the caliber and the stretch of talent oh, yeah. that he's worked. You, De Niro, mm-hmm. Billy Crystal, Rodney Dangerfield, you know, Bill Murray, John Candy, the list of Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy. It just goes on and on and on. He's worked with all the greats. Yeah. Well, there's a lot it's of people. There's a lot of Fraser. Yes. Mm-hmm. The next up is Gasm on my list. Oh yeah. Wasn't that early? Oh god, yes. And then, of course, he would have been a Fraser twice. I got to admit, Gasm yeah. is one of my favorites. Yeah. Is that the one where he's? He sells his soul to the devil, right? Yeah, yeah. he's got the little beeper. Thing. Is, is that good one he did right before Monkey Belly? Yeah. Yes. I'm I'm you, uh, and it makes sense that the, the parts in that you know that are funny, you know, are uh-huh. credited to to Harold uh, uh, Ramis. Mm-hmm. But the the scene where he's the pro athlete, yes, yeah. and he's just swimming, he's got a little little winner, and you know, like, hey, hey, he's super hey. super awesome. But he's like, oh come on, what yeah. the hell, damn the devil, damn the devil, hell. And then he can't type in the thing, he can't type in the other. Yeah. 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 His final script, as listed by IMDb, year one, which yeah. was hit and miss. It was it had some good moments, but also too. Uh, well, I think one of the no, best parts. Actually, <laughs> actually, one of, one of the funniest parts, and I'm getting a lot of hate of uh, hate, hate from this, is I think I like the part where he meets Cain, where they meet Cain and Abel. Yeah, no, I love that. That was I love that part. And after doing, oh god, I killed my brother, and he gets right back up, and then he hits him again. Oh my god, what am I doing? Isn't that that's Paul Rudd in uh, yeah, Paul, uh, Paul Rudd's bucket from uh, McLovin? Uh, uh, no, it's not McLovin. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, David Cross. Yes, David Cross. David Cross from Men in Black and all that I stuff. I know him from um, Just Shoot Me. He played Chicka Pop, Chicka Pop, Chicka Pop. I'm going to say Kung Fu Panda. That's right. Chicka Pop, Chicka Pop, Chicka Pop. I'm going for you to say Kung Fu Panda. Really? Oh, yeah, it's a crazy. That's right. That's funny. But there was something else too with. As much hate as Year One does get sometimes, it it takes a brilliant mind to be able to write a religious farce, yeah, like that. Yeah, and that what it, what it was. It, 
It yeah. took you from the cavemans, and then you were all of a sudden in like biblical era. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. just walked across it the jungle. Went, and it it like, went back to the old school Mel Brooks days of the History World Part One. Yes, yeah. and that's the flavor. And you know, I I mentioned the whole Mel Brooks and the Monty Python thing. It had a very solid element of both of them yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. You know, which is the I'm going to progress from this scene to this scene, and it's going to be a completely different scene. And there'll be there'll be no ex- explanation why that transition happened. except <laughs> for the fact that you're watching these two people walk from over here to over right. there. That's <laughs> That's all you need. We don't need a transitional scene. We're just going to do that, and damn, you know. Yeah, and everything else. I'm good. Yeah. And the, to wrap up this part, um, we're going to go into the directorial world of Howard Ramis. And uh, Doug, why don't you start off that? I mean, he directed a lot of things that he wrote. I mean, so just to just for the rehash those. You know, it was just you know Caddyshack, Vacation, Groundhog Day. You know, analyze this and that. But the thing was, is he direct and then year one. He directed some things I didn't write, like Multiplicity. Well, my was one of the first oh, yeah. That was the first time I ever saw Michael Keaton in a comedy role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see, now, Mr. Mall was the first one that I saw, but Multiplicity is, I, and I told her about this, mm-hmm. I said, you really need to watch that movie. It's great. You mm-hmm. really need to watch that movie, the whole, you know. Four different personalities. We're going to go here. I want to eat a dolphin. No, I'm going to pet a dolphin. I'm going to pet a dolphin. That is... The whole, you know, what is it you want? What do you want? I want, I want pizza. pizza. <laughs> yeah. I want pizza. That oh, was yeah. genius. I, I love that movie. And that kind of shows uh, Ramus's uh, directorial level because mm-hmm. you can only imagine that Keaton was probably like, I, I kind of want to do this, but he might have like the doubts in his mind for the fourth right. well, well, he, he, had to, he had to direct one actor to play five roles. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Basically, you know, uh, it was just this amazing, mm-hmm. you know, yet you very distinct. Individual characters from one actor. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have to interact with one another. Yeah. See, multiplicity, in my opinion, was a very big acting exercise for both acting and directing. Oh, absolutely. It, that the multiplicity to me seems like an elaborate stage exercise. Oh, it is. It really does, and, and I don't think there was any better any better casting than, than Michael oh, Keaton. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think anybody else could have dealt with it, directed it the way right, 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 because right. he's dealt with people with multiple personalities. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It goes right back to that thing to the, to the cycle, and then. Um, <laughs> From a great movie like Multiplicity, he did direct Stuart Saves His Family. Never saw it. It is a throwaway sketch on Saturday Night Live. I know who Stuart Smalley is, but he's a motivational speaker that talks into the mirror, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough. And And doggone it, people like me. And they made it into a movie. I know that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it kind of just showed, one, Ramus is up for a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. And two... Not every SNL character needs a movie. No, like it's Pat. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't. He didn't touch that one. There was a, there was a few in there that I, I mm-hmm. was just like, wow, this is. Ladies' Man was another one that I oh, was, yeah. didn't need a film. But uh, you know, mm-hmm. was, the next one, the the Roxbury Twins. Did well, they really need a movie? That was easy. Easy. I love the No, I love the music and I love me. So you got to make out or what? And then, like we've talked about before, his final directorial credits have been the, some of the episodes of yeah. The Office in American Version. The other thing that we've heard to mention with writing and producing and just to throw out there is he didn't... He took a lot of uncredited stuff. That's not even listed on his DVD because he just oh, out fellow... That's yeah. the, that was so the we one can't list it. Unfortunately, we can't tell you guys what it is. But, but he's done more. He has had a lot of special thanks. Yeah, yeah. a lot of special thanks. And it may be something where you have seen or heard him and go, wait a minute, they didn't mention this. That's because it's on the... There's so many to mention. Yeah. yeah, there's so many little things. Yeah. And I, I attribute him as an actor, director, writer 
much I would in the music mm-hmm. industry like a Dave Grohl where they just tackle everything. They do yeah. everything. They produce. They do that because they so much love for the art. The art that they do. You know, the, the when it was first the released, he was uncredited in As Good As It Gets. He was first uncredited, and then when it went to the home video release and stuff like that, they reworked the credits and put him back in. Okay. Same thing with IMDb. You know, yeah. they, you know, with the invention of that, you know, you can even find people uncredited. But he, for for the first moment, when you looked at the opening credits, Harold Ramis and his character are not listed. Yeah. And that was a pretty decent sized part. Well, yeah, it's not like he was a voice in a you know a computer no. voice of a you know yeah. So just a little fun fact. I think we accomplished what we wanted with this one. Uh, we remembered a great. I would say actor, writer, director, and everything, but just we remembered a great talent, a creative soul, and everything. And to close out with my final thoughts on this, um, Harold Ramis, uh, like I said, such a talented man, and we're lucky enough that his lasting legacy is as simple as pressing play. So he's going to be missed. It's on a lot of shirts, it's on Doug's shirt right now. He gone, but not forgotten. Yeah. And this is a talent that will not be forgotten. So. That's my final thoughts on this, Christina. Um, I also think he is a very talented man. I just hope my kids know how great of an actor he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure they will. Uh, Way to they go, have Nick. parents like this. So. What are you talking about? I'm sending an Uncle Phil. <laughs> <laughs> you need to go get educated. <laughs> You're awesome, man. Uh, you know, my final thoughts are: this is gonna, you know, this is gonna be something that's gonna affect me for a while here. Is is passing. And I'm going to get, you know, I'll get by that, and I'll, I'll get through that, and I will cherish everything that he does, you know, has, has done, and and, uh, and everything that he did. And, you know, it, it, I'll step back once in a while and listen to this episode and, and watch the commentary on Ghostbusters and different things like that, and the reaction of those in the comedic world who said, I owe so much, or I owe everything to Harold Ramis and realizing what huge <coughs> talents are, and that the ripples that he is sent out into the entertainment world and the comedy world, uh, you know, much like in a pond, once they hit those outer walls, they get to come back. They come bouncing back in. So we'll, <laughs> we'll get to enjoy and love and experience all that stuff again, you know. And uh, I really look forward to hopefully, hopefully seeing uh, a ghost of Egon Spangler in Ghostbusters 3. You know, we get to see him one more time. And by the way, since, you know, like Bill Murray, when he took the... French fry off the guy's <laughs> plate at Wendy's and says, "No one's going to believe you." Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't believe in a million years that we'd catch Bill Murray, you know, hearing this or listening to this. But just in case you did, very classy, sir. Thank you very much for taking your hat off for for your tribute to the Oscars. Um, I suppose like my final thought has to do with more of just like a thank you, and I didn't. Sorry that I I didn't know where the credit was going when I was enjoying all of these movies and everything that he graced us with, but. It's awesome to know now, like where I can put all the credit, and that I'm more attached to this person than I ever thought that I was. And, yeah, thanks for the enlightenment, guys. <laughs> um, if he is watching, just happens to see my work from up on above as I continue to make movies and continue to tell my stories. I just hope that the films that I continue to make in the career legacy that I hope to one day bring to the world, I just hope he's proud of the work that I do to know that he was such an influence on my work. So I just hope that I can make him the proud uncle. <laughs> I guess uh, for me, <clears throat> my final thought uh, for one thing would be thank you guys for putting this together 
been putting it on both your podcasts. And, you know... Your podcast, it, too. I know, I know, I know. I know it is. It's a habit, you know? It's a habit. Yeah, we, we, we'll just write down everything you're in on your own. I know, I know. So I know what you're that way you don't ever go uncredited, sir. <laughs> I appreciate that. this more than anybody else, dude. I, uh, I, keep, I keep forgetting, but, you know, it's still, it's a big... Thank you for reminding me that, you know, I wasn't alone. I wasn't the only one that was suffering from this loss, even though I didn't know the man personally. I mean, you know, along with his family, I think I feel the same way that his family does, you know, and they got to know him best. And, uh, you know, I share in their heartache, and um, I take comfort in knowing that you guys, you know, share the same thing, and I just, I didn't I didn't feel alone. And it's just um, absolutely, you know, er- I'm just so thrilled that I have such wonderful friends. And uh, thank you guys for being there. And to Mr. Uh, Harold Ramis, uh, thank you for <clears throat> building the foundation that made me the person that I am today, or the kind of person I wish to be. Uh, you will be missed. Thank you. <laughs>